happy Tuesday to you. And you, and you, and you. How you doing? It's uh, it's Tuesday. It's August the 11th in the year of 2020, and we're glad to be with you. This is Bob Bro. Welcome to the Best Old Time Radio Podcast. On Tuesdays, we play a drama, and we have a good one lined up for you uh, this week. Remember Ronald Reagan when he was an actor? Oh, yes. Many of you, <laughs> younger ones, don't even remember when he was president. But those of us that have been around a while, uh, we remember both when he was president and when he was an actor. And the drama that we have lined up for you today stars Ronald Reagan. And we'll tell you more about that in just a minute. So get comfortable, get situated, get rid of the cares of the day. Just unwind for a little bit. And we're going to come back to tell you all about today's play. What we have coming up is the Baker's Theater of Stars from April 11th, 1953. Now, when this says Baker's Theater of Stars, what we're talking about is bakers. You know, like the people that make bread and the people that make donuts and pastries. Bakers. And this was an industry group. Did you ever belong to an industry group? I did. I belonged to one uh, one time and it was great for 10 years. Every two months you'd go to a different, you know, you'd fly to a different place in the country and uh, meet with your peers from your competitive companies. And you would discuss problems that the industry had in common. Well, the Bakers Association represented big baking concerns. And they had decided that they wanted to advertise in radio back in the early 50s. Everyone was moving to television. They liked advertising on radio. And they had a show on NBC called Hollywood Star Theater. And it had been on for a number of years. It was very popular. They decided to move the show to CBS. There was a lot of that going on in the early 50s. When they got to CBS, they discovered that NBC actually owned the rights to that title. So they renamed their show Baker's Theater of Stars. Now, this was all leading up, as I understand it, and I I might have this wrong was in June they were having a big convention and so they were using this to publicize the convention. After the convention in June, well then they pulled a lot of their funding I guess because there was only 13 episodes of this show produced. It's too bad too because this was a a really really well produced show and at CBS they used some of the talent over there. They used Norman MacDonald as their uh, producer-director, and he was a young guy at that time. And he went on to do a few shows like Gunsmoke and Adventures of Philip Marlowe and uh, Fort Laramie and several others. And uh, John Meston was working with him in script uh, script supervision. And, of course, we had uh, uh, Wilbur Hatch with music. So, And then that great stable of stars that we hear every week from Hollywood on radio shows from the 50s, just 
just tremendous talent. And then in addition to that, each week they would have a major guest star. So what we're going to hear tonight is Ronald Reagan. And his wife is played by Georgia Ellis. It's really a good story. Sadly, like I said, they only did 13 episodes of this before the funding was built. Only five of those shows are still in circulation. Uh, The others have just disappeared, as radio shows from that era are wont to do. So sadly, we only have the five, but most of them are in pretty good sound quality. And we're going to be playing some of them in the weeks ahead. So enjoy this one. Uh, Ronald Reagan plays a new doctor in a small town, and he and his wife are trying to get adjusted. He has taken a practice over from, I believe, a, a doctor that just retired. So here we go, the Baker's Theater of Stars, The New Man. And it was first broadcast on CBS April 11th in 1953. Welcome to the Baker's Theater of Stars. Today we present Mr. Ronald Reagan in Anthony Ellis' story, The New Man, brought to you by the Bakers of America, who help you serve better meals through bakery foods. This is Wendell Niles inviting you to the Baker's Theater of Stars, a half hour of outstanding dramatic entertainment featuring Hollywood's greatest stars, brought to you on CBS Radio every Sunday at this time by the Bakers of America. And now, here is our star, Mr. Ronald Reagan. It has been said by people who presume to know the tastes of our American public that there are three subjects upon which the most universally popular stories year after year are based. One of these subjects is Abraham Lincoln. Another subject is dogs. And the third is doctors. According to this theory, therefore, a writer cannot fail if he writes a story about Lincoln's doctor's dog. Our story today, however, is not as inclusive as this. We are concerned with a doctor only. But all theories aside... I feel it's a wonderful story, and it's with great pleasure that I join the Bakers of America in presenting The New Man. The town was called Fort Smith. I heard about it from some friends who lived there before they moved east. The local doctor had died, and Beatrice and I decided to move out from New York and take over his practice, which included a town of 350 and the valley beyond. All told, perhaps 800 people. It was in Northern California, and it was a beautiful place. I remember what Beatrice said the first day we stood in front of the house looking at the fields and mountains, the day we arrived in Salmon Valley. Oh, it's lovely, Bob. Just beautiful. Well, I can't make a living. I guess we can always look at the scenery. Don't be silly. We'll do fine. You'll see. Sure. A little nervous, that's all. Are you sorry we came out? No, no. Maybe I wonder a little, though, you know. They need a doctor here. You're it. Yeah, I'm it. Come on, let's finish unpacking. 
Those first two days, I didn't have any callers, but I hadn't officially hung out my shingle. The third morning, I walked the half mile into town to the drugstore. There were a few people on the street who nodded back as I smiled. They knew who I was. Everybody knew that. The greeting was reserved, polite, distant. Good morning. Nice morning. Nippy, though. Yes. Can you fill these for me? Yeah. That's a whale of a lot of... Ah. Oh, sure. You're the new doc? That's right. Yeah, I do. I'm Mac. McClellan. Sure. You're the new doc. Laird, isn't it? Yes. Well... How do you like our little valley? What I've seen of it, very nice. Think you'll like it, huh? I hope so. Yeah. Nice to have you around. Thanks. How soon will you be wanting this stuff? Well, as soon as you can. Sure, you bet. Well, hi, Jack. How are you, Mac? Be with you in a minute. Oh, go ahead. I'll wait. You don't mind? No, no, go ahead. What can I do for you, Jack? Kid, Mary's kind of worried asking me to stop by on my way. Uh-huh. Uh, Mary thinks she's got a fever... Oh, usual thing. You know Mary, though. Sure, we got something to fix that up. How's the new bull working out? Fair. Fair. Why don't you stop by? I'd like to have you grade him. I will. I surely will. First thing. Oh, say, Jack, this is the new doc. Laird. Meet Jack Pollock. I do. How are you? Jack owns the ranch, mile or so beyond your place. Oh, here you took over the doc's practice. That's right. Uh-huh. Uh, anything I can do, Mr. Pollitt? Do? Well, I mean your child. Would you like me to run out and have a look? No need for that. She's got a cold, that's all. No need for a doctor. Oh. Here you are, Jack. Here's how to do it. Directions on the label. If she don't clear up by tomorrow, come in and I'll give you some more. Thanks, Mac. Say hello to Mary. Yeah, sure thing. Hey, drop by and take a look at that bull. Will you you better sure will, you bet. Bye now. Right. Uh, then, Doc, you wanted, let me see. Say, uh, will you tell me something? Hmm? Oh, sure, you bet. You have many colds around here? I mean, the kids? A few. You know, kids. Fever, too? A <laughs> little bit. I wondered if maybe I ought to. Doc, you trying to drum up trade? No. Oh, I'm not trying to drum up trade. I'll be back for my stuff later. You sure. You bet. I don't see why you've let it upset you so, Bob. It's your job. Somebody's sick. Why shouldn't you take an interest? Well, the trouble is, maybe McClellan was right. Oh, that's ridiculous. No, we're going to make it go here. I've got to have a practice. Maybe I was trying to drum up trade. Darling, we've been here two days. I know. Give him time, Bob. And don't worry. Okay, I won't worry. Hey, how'd you like to keep some chickens in the back? Fresh eggs every morning. Place down the road sells hens. Well, I'd love it. And you can keep the chicken house cleaned out. Thanks a lot. The next day, my office was ready. Be had hung my diplomas and a couple of landscape watercolors to show that I was interested in farming. My medical books lined the cases, and I sat behind my desk waiting to begin. 
I waited, and I waited the next day. There weren't any patients. It was a week after we'd arrived in Salmon Valley. I was out and back trying to catch a chicken that had got through the wire when B called me. It was the telephone. My first call. I think it's a patient, Bob. She said her name's Mrs. Pollitt. Oh? Do you think maybe somebody's sick? I bet you hope so. What a ghoul. <laughs> Just a little sick. Good luck, darling. Hello? Is Dr. Laird? Doctor, uh, this is Mary Pollitt. Uh, we live down the road from you. Yes, Mrs. Pollitt. Uh, it, it's my little girl, Anna. She's running awful high fever. Uh, could, could you come back, Doctor, if you're not too busy? I'm just worried sick. I'll be right over, Mrs. Pollitt. Doctor? She's all right, isn't she? How long do you say she's been like this? Two or three weeks on and off. She is all right, isn't she? Mary? In here, Jack. It looks like we're going to get some rain. You... Oh. It's Dr. Laird, Jack. We met. He's been taking a look at Annie. What's the matter with her? Just a bug? She'll get over it. Mrs. Pollitt, I'd like to use your phone, if I may. Uh, wait a minute. Who are you going to ring? The hospital in Wheaton. Hospital? There's no call to do that. Your daughter's a very sick child. I'm pretty sure it's a type of virus, but I don't want to take chances. There could be complications. We've got to make tests. Oh, that's no. crazy. She got a cold. That's all. It's like all the kids get this time of year just before the rain. They all get it. It's more than a cold. Mrs. Pollitt, I don't want to frighten you. Now, you listen. You're not going to frighten us, and you're not running up any fancy bills on me to get yourself started in this valley. You know what could happen to her if you let it go? I'm not trying... All I know is you're new around here, and you're looking for work. Jack, Now, what? you just quit worrying, Mary. It's fixing to rain. You better get outside and get your washing in. I'll take care of this. What do I owe you, mister? Just the courtesy of calling me Doctor. Now, you listen to me. If anything happens to that child, I'm not going to be responsible. Jack, she's awful sick. You keep out of it, Mary. I know all about fellas like this. A lot of fancy talk and send you to the hospital if you got a runny nose. We didn't ask for you to come here, and you're not practicing those down-below tricks with me or mine. You don't seem to care what happens to your That's child. That's just why she's staying here where her ma can take care of her. And I can tell you that most of the other folks around here feel just the same way. We don't like new fellers coming in with a lot of fine ideas that cost money. Can't you get it through your head? I don't care about your money. I'm a doctor. If your daughter had a broken leg, you'd call me soon enough. Well, this is disease. Now, I don't care what you think about me. Mister, I got chores to do before it rains. How much do I owe you? If anything happens, if she gets worse, you're to blame. Get out of my house. You're crazy. You... Get... All right, now you haul yourself together and get out of here before I really start it on you. Go on. Out. We'll return for Act Two of The New Man, starring Mr. Ronald Reagan, in just a moment. And now, Act Two of The New Man, starring Mr. Ronald Reagan. 
It had started to rain when I got back to the house. Big drops. And the mountains surrounding the valley were hidden by great black rolling clouds. Somewhere I heard a calf bawling. It sounded alone and frightened. You did what you could. You couldn't force Pollock to send the child to the hospital. Ah, this place is no good, B. It's no good for us. Bob. We made a mistake. Let's get out. Sell the house. We ought to be able to get what we paid for it. Bob, you're a doctor. You took an oath. It's not fair. To the Pollock girl, any of them. You haven't given it a chance. What kind of a chance do you want me to give it? I was lucky this time just a cut lip. Next time it might be a broken jaw. I'm finished here. You don't mean that. You think not? I know you don't. Yeah, I can't stand these narrow-minded, bigoted... These people. I tell you, I'm through here. I mean it. All right. I'll start packing in the morning. I hated the place and everybody in it even more. That night we sat by the fire and listened to the rain coming down. Got heavier. We found a couple of leaks in the ceiling. The radio station in Medford announced that some of the mountain pass roads were closed because of slides. I went to bed pretty early, but I couldn't sleep. It was about three o'clock when I heard the banging on the front door. You, Doctor Laird? Yes. What's the matter? Come in. Ooh. I do truly swear that rain is the wettest. I'm. Uh, I'm Billy Evans. Everybody hereabouts calls me Billy. What'd you do to your hand? Yeah. Looks a mite mangled, don't it? Come in here. How did you do that? Oh, about an hour back. Fixing the full sheeting and the full barn roof. Rain flying in like all nanny goat. Wife says, Billy, you go get that hand fixed. <laughs> I swear there's no use arguing with my wife. Sit down. Yeah. Of course, I says you can wait till morning. She says I won't be around come morning if I don't do something this now minute. Sorry to get you up. That's all right. Glad you did. May hurt a bit. Oh, I swear you ain't a bit like old Doc Brock. He didn't care if snakes knows if it hurt or not. He used to say... Ow. He used to say if you hadn't a got sick or hurt, you wouldn't do no suffering. <laughs> Don't they paralyze? Hey. Keep your hand still, please. Yeah. Hey... I hear you had a run-in with Jack Pollock down the road earlier. Hold it up a bit. That's better. Now, don't, uh, don't pay no mind to him, Doc. He's a worrying man. Things don't go good for him, you see, and he's a worrier. I sure am thankful you was here. I might have not bleed to death, I swear. Ah, uh, that ought to do it. Keep that bandage on. Come back tomorrow. I want to have a look at it then. Yes, sir. Meantime, I don't want you to use the hand. Keep it as still as you can. Did you ever try milk a cow and keep your hands still? Get somebody else to do it, then. I'll do that, Doc. Have a cup of coffee before you go? Only take a minute. Why, that's nice of you, Doc. I sure am wet through. I swear I lived here all my born days and never see it rain like this. I'll probably let up in the morning. Not the way she's going. That old river gets swole up. We're going to have trouble. You get the snow on that mountain coming down and all this wet... We're going to get watered for a fact. Mr. Evans, when you talked to Paula, did he say anything about his daughter? Is she any better? He didn't say. Look, Doc, 
You don't mind him. He's a troubling man. He didn't mean anything. The old man drank his coffee and went out into the rain. I told him I'd send a bill, but he wouldn't have it. He gave me two dollars and said he'd give me two more at the end of the week. I said two was my fee, and we let it go at that. The next morning, if anything, the storm was worse. Our backyard was a lake. I got soaked trying to patch the leaks in the roof. At 11 o'clock, B called me to the phone. Dr. Laird? Yes? Uh, this is Jack Pollan. Oh? Uh, listen, my... Uh, I'm sorry about yesterday. Forget it. What about your daughter? Yeah, that's what I called about. She's no better. I'll be right over. You call the hospital in Wheaton. Tell them to send the ambulance. Get that right away. Yes, sir. I will. (laughs) My baby, my baby. I can't. I, I can't understand it. I, I, I just can't. There were complications. It's much my fault. I should have called the health authorities. They'd have seen that she got to the hospital. But she'd never been real sick before. She always got over it. Pneumonia set in. Well, I'm going to give you and your wife inoculations. I don't care. I don't care what happened. You've got to care. You said it'd, it'd be my fault if Anna... If she... It was my fault. I I did it to her. I did it. Try and forget it. You thought you were doing the right thing. I didn't trust you. Thought you were out to make money off of us. I uh, haven't got any money. We're broke. We're always broke. That's the way it is. She she was the only thing. The only thing that... I'll get it. You go and take care of your wife. Go ahead. Hello? That you, Mr. Pollitt? It's Dr. Laird, operator. Oh, doctor. This is the operator in Fort Smith. Mr. Pollitt called for an ambulance? Yes, I know. You can't get over the mountain, doctor. The pass is closed. It's been washed out. And the lines are down between here and Wheaton. I can't get through to them anymore. There's no need for it now. Thank you. With the highway washed out and the phone lines over the mountain gone, Salmon Valley was totally isolated from the outside. Most of the men got together and went down to the river, trying to build up the banks. Still it rained, and there was nothing to do but wait. I began to get calls, men hurt fighting the flood, a case or two of strep throat. And then on the fourth day of the storm, it happened. Bob? Bob? Hi. Phone's been going crazy, and three people came by while you were out. What's happened? It's the same thing. They all seem to have the same thing. What? I'm not sure, but it sounds... sounds the same as the little pilot girl had. Virus? I think so. I wrote down the names and addresses and these numbers to call. I'll get on it. In the late afternoon, I went out to see ten patients, and everyone had virus. There was no question about it. That night, there were three more. I called the Fort Smith operator. Operator? This is Dr. Laird, operator. Yes? I want you to call every soul in this valley. Tell them we've got virus here, influenza, and it's getting worse. They've got to be inoculated, all of them. I want them to come to my office. Are the lines open to Wheaton yet? No, sir. All right. Will you get on those calls immediately? Yes, sir, I will. 
I got three men to ride out over the mountains to Wheaton. I'd run out of serum. Had to have more. And another doctor, nurses, and equipment. I'd have to fly them into the valley if there was no other way. That's the message I sent out. And then I waited for an answer. You've got to get some rest, darling. You've got to. Just a couple of hours. I will. Listen, will you drive down to the drugstore and see if McClellan's got any of this stuff? Might help a bit until the serum comes. Yeah. All right. I need it right away. Yeah, right away. Hey, you're tired, aren't you? Oh, yeah, a little. I'll go. You get some sleep. When you sleep, I will, too. Give me the prescription. I lost track of time after that. B came out with me on calls. We did the best we could. At least the disease wasn't spreading anymore. We had 43 sick and two who died. Then the plane flew in. Cracked up landing, but the two doctors and nurses were okay. So was the serum. And the day after that, it stopped raining. I wasn't around to see that because I slept for 15 hours straight. When I woke up, the first thing I noticed, the sun was shining. V had left a note. She'd gone down to the Pollard place to see what she could do. I made some coffee and then went out to look at our damage. I was standing by the chicken run when Billy Evans drove up. Hello, Billy. <laughs> nice little shower we had, huh? <laughs> I swear. How's your hand? Well, it's still on me. I never did get a chance to come back. It's too much work down the river. Better come inside. I'll take a look. Yeah. I'm uh, on my way back to the river. It'll be a day or two before we can trust her. Well, at least it won't rise anymore. Good thing, too. All right, Billy, you sit right here. Let me get this bandage off. Yeah, sure, Doc. Hey, you got it kind of dirty, didn't I? No harm done. There. It's all right, Billy. I'll just sprinkle a little sulfur on it to make sure. Hey, do you like being a doctor? Of course. Why? Oh, I don't know. Seems like... Awful lot of hard work to me. Well, it is sometimes. You got to be pretty smart, too, I guess. I heard you fellas even have to know Latin. Is that true, Doc? Well, I was supposed to be, Billy, but uh, I never knew much. <laughs> well, at least you're honest about it, and maybe that's more important. There, yeah, how does that feel? Oh, that feels fine, Doc. I thank you. Sure. Here you've done quite a lot of first aid around. Folks just talking about it. Oh? Yeah. I kind of get the idea they think you're a Salmon Valley man now, pitching in and all like the rest of us. Hmm? Mind you, it ain't that you're any better doc than old Doc Proctor, but uh, you sure behaved like a Salmon Valley man. I swear nobody'd think you was from down below. I'm not. I'm from New York. Oh, no, that's so well, I swear... Well, I got to get going, Billy, a few calls to make. Oh, sure. Well, uh, if there's anything I can do, you know, why, you, you just uh, call by. Maybe your wife would like some cream. We got good cream up to the house. I'll see you, Doc. Yeah. 
It was over. The road was cleared and the serious cases were taken out and over the mountain to Wheaton Hospital. Bea and I stood on the porch and looked at the little flood of water in the backyard. That silly chicken's got out again. Yeah. We've had an interesting two weeks, Doctor. For our first two weeks. I'd say so. I'm very proud of you. Ha. Oh, it smells wonderful, doesn't it? So fresh. If you like it, I guess it does. Oh. Well, shall we start packing now? Guess there's no hurry. All right. Billy Evans was by. Says his wife's got some cream for you if you'd like it. Really? Isn't that nice? Um, Jack Pollitt wanted me to ask you if he could give you a hand with our roof. He says it always leaks. He'd like to help you fix it. Hmm. Maybe he could help me build a new chicken run. What do you think? I bet he could. Hey, how would you like to take me to the drugstore for soda? Right now? Right now. Okay. Wait until I call the operator and leave word where I'll be. Yes, Dr. Lair. Now, here's our star, Mr. Ronald Reagan. After the first act, Wendell, uh, didn't you say that children particularly like bread and jam or bread and jelly? Well, I certainly did, Ronnie. Well, I'd like to add that when these children you mentioned grow up, they'll probably be like me and make their sandwiches out of bread with jam on one side and jelly on the other and peanut butter in between. <laughs> Sounds like a whole meal to me, Ronnie. Wendell, I'm still a growing boy. i got to keep up my energy. <laughs> At this rate, you'll never stop growing. Seriously, Wendell, thinking of tonight's story, eating properly, getting enough exercise and rest are the first steps in combating almost every disease. It's the old matter of an ounce of prevention, that's all. Well, I certainly agree with that, Ron. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you, Ronald Reagan, for being with us today. This is Wendell Niles with an invitation to be with us again next Sunday for the Baker's Theater of Stars. Join us for another half hour of fine dramatic entertainment brought to you by the Bakers of America who help you serve better meals through bakery foods. Next week, the Bakers of America will bring you Taos Incident by Kathleen Height. Our star, Miss Claire Trevor. Today, you've heard The New Man by Anthony Ellis, starring Mr. Ronald Reagan with Georgia Ellis. Featured in the cast were John Daner, Lawrence Dobkin, Harley Bear, Bibi Janis, and Donna Hayner. Editorial supervision is by John Meston, and music is by Wilbur Hatch. Our producer-director, Norman McDonald. Ronald Reagan is currently starring in Universal International's Technicolor production, Law and Order. This is Wendell Niles speaking. Today, there are more graduate nurses at work than ever before. Yet the need for student nurses is still greater than ever. If you're a high school graduate or a college student, go to your nearest hospital or collegiate school of nursing. Find out about the wonderful opportunities a career in nursing gives you. This is the CBS Radio Network. Ronald Reagan as the doctor, the new man in that a story that was presented on Baker's Theater of Stars on April 11th in 1953. Like I said, we've got about four other, four or five other uh, 
of these uh, dramas from uh, from that show. And we will play them in the weeks ahead because they were very good. Some of them are light. Some, in fact, one of them, I believe, is a comedy. I uh, just wanted to give you a little bit more background. I, I think maybe I didn't uh, explain this very well. I'm quoting here from a website called The Digital Deli, which is a really good website for old-time radio. If you're researching something, you might look at it, digitaldeli.com. It said, uh, Bakers of America, that's that industry group, was conducting a full-court press of public relations and promotion throughout the 1952 and 1953 seasons. It was going to culminate in their annual convention in June of 53. A consortium of the American Bakers Association, the Bakers of America and Quality Bakers of America, the organization best known for the Sunbeam Bread brand, combined to sponsor this wonderful star-studded 13-program dramatic anthology. Bakers of America had already sponsored Hollywood Star Playhouse. I think I called it before the show, I think I said it was Hollywood Star Theater. It's Hollywood Star Playhouse for its final season over at NBC. That final run of Hollywood Star Playhouse introduced Miss Helen Reed, the bakers of America's home economist, who promoted baking with clever, easy-to-prepare baking recipes at the end of each episode. The home economist promotions were clever, they were light, and they were tasteful, both literally and figuratively. And it was during this same period when Bakers of America was sponsoring the last season of Hollywood Star Playhouse, it created something of a stir throughout the advertising industry by telling the Billboard magazine that it intended to devote most of its advertising budget to radio from that point forward. So I think we we covered the rest of it. But that's sort of the background of that show, and I, I just find it very interesting. So they were leading up to this big convention. They were putting all their money into radio. They left NBC. They went to CBS. They did 13 shows, and boom, that was it. It's too bad, too, because almost all the shows sound like this one. And, and, and this was a simple story, right? And this was not a complex story. It really didn't really have many twists or turns that you couldn't see coming. But weren't you entertained by it? Very much so. Very much so. Ronald Reagan was very good, too. What did they used to call him? The great communicator, Ronald Reagan. Well, all right. That's going to do it for this week, everybody. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with an all-new mystery, and uh, then again on Thursday with an all-new Western. We thank you so much for stopping by. hope you have a wonderful evening and uh, a great Wednesday starting off tomorrow. This is Bob Bro. I'm so glad you stopped by, and I am so glad you met me going out tonight, we're going to play a couple of songs from 1953. But you know, we have a number of listeners in Europe. We have a, a number of listeners in the UK. So I thought rather than me pull up the American chart for the top 10 or 12 in April of 1953, when our radio play took place, why don't I look at the UK chart? So I pull that up. Now, the number one song that year in the UK on that week, I mean, was by Guy Mitchell. Now, I remember Guy Mitchell very well. He had a big hit with Heartache by the Number. I was just a little kid, but I remember a number of his tunes playing on the old Your Hit Parade on television, not so much on radio. So I remember Guy Mitchell. I don't remember the song that he's singing here. And then another one that was right below it was Doggy in the Window. Now, Patty Page had the big hit in the United States, but in the UK, it was a singer by the name of Lita Rosa, 
who had the number one hit. This week, I think it was number three or four, but in subsequent weeks, it went to number one. And I do not know Lita Rosa. I'm sorry to say, I no insult. I've just never heard her. And I was wondering why in the world didn't Patty Page's version become a big hit over there? Well, it ends up that it was on Mercury Records, and Mercury Records did not have much representation in the United Kingdom. And so Lita Rosa uh, sang it, and she was the first female artist to reach number one on the UK chart. It was also, this here's a piece of trivia that means nothing. It was also the first <laughs> song to ever reach number one in the UK that's, uh, that's title was a question. How much is that doggy in the window is the way it was done over there. I could not find a, a version of that by Lita Rosa. So we're going to play you one by Patty Page. Now, this was, song was written in the United States. It was written by uh, a songwriter by the name of Bob Merrill in 1952. He also wrote, uh, If I Knew You Were Coming, I'd Have Baked You a Cake. <laughs> so this was an American-made song. We have it uh, not by Lita Rosa. We have it by Patty Page. All right, everybody, that's it. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. She wears red feathers and a hooli-hooli skirt. She wears red feathers and a hooli-hooli skirt. She lives on just coconuts and fish fur on the sea. A rose in her hair, a gleam in her eyes, and love in her heart for me. London Bank, respectable position. From nine to three, they serve you tea, but prune your disposition each night at the music hall. Travel logs I'd see, and once a pearl of a native girl kept smiling right at me. She wears red feathers and a hooli hooli skirt. She wears red feathers and a hooli hooli skirt. She lives on just coconuts and fish from the sea. A rose in her hair, a gleam in her eyes, and love in her heart for me. Goodbye to the London Bank. I started in a sailing the 14th day from Mandalay. I spied her from the railing. She knew I was on my way. Waited and was true. She said, you son of an Englishman, I've dreamed each night of you. She wears red feathers and a hooli-hooli skirt. She wears red feathers and a hooli-hooli skirt. She lives on just coconuts and fish from the sea. A rose in her hair, a gleam in her eyes, and love in her heart for me. and Paul and said I loved her only and they both said we could be wed oh what a ceremony an elephant brought her in placed her by my side while six baboons got out bassoons and played here comes the bride Back here in London town And though it may sound silly She's here with me And you should see us walk down Piccadilly The boys at the London Bank 
kind of hold their breath. She sits with me and sips her tea, which tickles them to death. She wears red feathers and a hoodie hoodie skirt. She wears red feathers and a hoodie hoodie skirt. She lives on just coconuts and fish fur on the sea. Her rose in her hair, a gleam in her eyes, and long in her heart for me. How much is that dog in the window? How much is that dog in the window? I do hope that doggie is for sale. I must take a trip to California and leave my poor sweetheart alone. If he has a dog, he won't be lonesome. And the doggy will have a good home. How much is that doggy in the window? The one with the waggly tail. How much is that doggy in the window? I do hope that doggy is for sale. I read. The papers, they're a robber With flashlights that shine in the dark My love needs a doggy to protect him And scare them away with one bar I don't want a bunny or a kitty I don't want a parrot Toys. I don't want a bowl of little fishies. He can't take a goldfish for a walk. How much is that doggy in the window? The one with the waggly tail. How much is that doggy in the window? I do hope that doggies for sale.